1: You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us. So we thank you with you today is yours truly B Cox and I have a very special guest that's going to join me today. But before we get to that, first off, shout out to all the fans out there stateside and worldwide continuing to show love to the show. Y'all have great, great feedback of the tribe review we did and also of the special bonus episode we did with the Breaking Adams podcast. Submit Sharma and Chris Mitchell. Guys, thank you so much for this feedback. We're going to continue to give you dope content throughout the rest of the year. And of course, we still got a couple of gems coming up before the end of the summer. Like we always say here on The Vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics and we got a special one today so one that when i pull out of the archives i knew that i had to get some help and i had to call in special forces to help me break this down so who other to bring in and help me break down this album than the professor himself nathan rideau ceo of urban science media and of course a food dope podcast and also players from the south podcast as well Those of you who have been listening have heard Nathan on this show a couple of times already before. So to break this down, we sat down and chopped it up about our next review. Here's how it went. And joining us here on the Vault Classic Music Reviews, once again, it's a familiar voice that you've heard on this show. Of course, he's a friend and shoot, we might as well even just call him family at this point. We've done things so far, man. But of course, y'all know him well. He is the CEO of Urban Science Media he is also the creator and host of First Players from the South, hip-hop's first originally scripted documentary, the best scripted documentary out there related to hip-hop. Of course, man, it's a dope, dope, dope first season. And he is also the host and creator of Food Dope Podcast, International Food Dope, where he takes you around the country to some of the best chefs in America and then links their culinary space along with hip-hop music and culture does a really, really great job. Has come out with a lot of good episodes and good, good interviews with some of the best culinary minds in America. I'm talking about none other than Nathan Rideau, the professor, as we like to call him here in the podcast world. Nathan, what's going on, man?
0: B. Cox, what it do, man? How you doing?
1: Everything is everything, bro. You know, everything is good. We're in the summertime, man. We're coming around the corner in the bend in summertime, and you know as we come around this bend when we think about music in the past, this is usually right around the time when we start to get those classic end of summer classic albums that have come out over the years that drop right around that end of July, beginning of August. And Mm -hmm. for times past, I always remember and relate those back to the times when I was getting ready to go back to school. So, you know, it's it's pretty much the same thing here with this album that we got today. And I'm so glad that I have you here to talk about this album today because this is right in your wheelhouse. And this is something that I caught caught on to very very late because I caught on to the group very late because I I didn't open my ears up in my mind enough to be able to really relate to their greatness. So we're gonna we're gonna take a trip back to 25 years ago and we're gonna go back to July 30th, 1996, by Jive Records, and we're gonna look at the third studio album by the classic hip hop duo UGK. UGK. Riding Dirty. Yes, sir. On Jive Records. Released on July 30th, 96, recorded between 95 and 96, with a runtime of 65 minutes and 19 seconds. Interesting enough that this album came out on July 30th, 1996 by Jive Records, because another album of Jive Records came out during this day. It was also a Tribe Called Quest, Beats, Rhymes, and Life. Which was mm-hmm. the last review that you guys heard, you know. So it's really interesting the two uh, you know, the the differences between these two groups and as far as like their style and everything else and right. what they represented in hip hop that they both came out on the same day. It's rare that you see that a label release two albums on the same day, you know? Right. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. But producers <clears throat> on this, mostly these two, and they're the ones who made everything happen. Pimp C himself, the late great Pimp C and NO Joe. And also mm-hmm. contributions by Mr. 3-2 and then Sergio. But um, the majority of this work was done by Pimp C, assistance by N.O. Joe. And there's some interesting things we'll talk about in just a second when it comes to the production of this album. This album really not getting a lot of fanfare when it came out. As I noted in a few articles, in particular, the one that I'll reference a lot of times throughout this review is uh, The Ringer, which uh, was called A Coronation for Kings. It was written by Max Bell. Um, okay. It came out last last week it it talked mainly about basically how it came on to become one of the most influential Southern rap records ever. And the story about how it came, you know, about that, you know, Pimp C pretty much worked on producing this album himself was assisted by N.O. Joe and they kind of worked in tandem, but really worked. And then if there was a just suggestion by either one, it wasn't really be like, oh man, well, what you mean? It was like, all right, cool. Let me do that. Turn that bass line up a little bit. Cool. Let me do that. Um, And then beyond just that, all the vocals that you hear on that aside from one contribution that you hear on there. And that I believe is on that on one day, everything else was done by Pepsi and Ocho himself, which is amazing yeah. when you think about it, man. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's amazing, man. And that's the way I was
0: thinking about uh, when we got in a conversation about this show, one thing I was going to preface before the making of the, the led up to the, the great culmination of this album being was uh, N.O. Joe when he made the move down south to just start rapping with rap a lot and he brought that gumbo funk which mm-hmm. is what his production company's called he bought that gumbo funk and it pretty much put a stamp and started to define what the southern sound could be with the lush productions the heavy bass lines and you know it wasn't we started getting away from the break beats mm-hmm. and you know what I'm saying and then the samples and start going with the lush heavy production so shout out to N.O. Joe for bringing that and it working its way up to
1: 96 in this album. Yeah. And O Joe had previously worked on uh, a few albums earlier um, in the decade right. in particular, did a lot of work on Scarface's The Diary and, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and also had done words as well, work as well on other ghetto boys albums till death do us part and the resurrection. That's right. So, you know, yeah. he had, he had been around for quite some time and, the interesting thing about this album Nathan is that there were no singles on this. This wasn't on the on the radio. You know, this was strictly <laughs> right. as the name right. says an underground thing. This was yeah. like, you know, if you were on the third coast, specifically if you were in Houston, Port Arthur, anywhere yeah. in like that southeastern Texas, like anywhere yeah. up the coast. That third coast, you wasn't really hearing much about this. There weren't any videos with this album,
0: right? And you know, I I heard Bun, I heard Bun say that on one of his songs on his solo album. On on the, I think it was, uh, maybe it was the story out the gate. You know, I'm I don't know if it's close to platinum now, but they sold seven hundred thousand without yeah. a video. Yeah, and I mean, what other artists in that era? can sell you sell you selling 700,000 albums with no video and no promotion nothing and it's fun. and it's it's funny you said it was brought it came out the same day with Beats Rhymes and Life and that's the interesting contrast that I, I play with in my mind all the time like damn why couldn't they get the same love and promotion mm. that tr- that tribe got and the others why do you, why y'all didn't understand what the south was at the yeah, time they did but it. then yeah. on the other side I look at it like the shit is dope because they call UGK Underground Kings yeah. Maybe it was it was meant for them to be that. You know, it, it was. was meant for, to be for the streets. It yeah. was meant to ride like that, you know?
1: Yeah. And I always look at those artists in the mid 90s That really started to make their way And make their bones You could throw UGK in there You could talk about Three Six Mafia You could even talk about P and No Limit in them And these guys didn't really have a whole lot of promotion Like yeah you would start to see things in the source About these upcoming albums Because they had a little bit of bread And they were able to promote a little bit But you weren't seeing things on the radio You weren't hearing things on the radio You weren't seeing videos like that But they were still (laughs) able to move units man like right, that's the right. that's alone, loan and i think what the industry started to catch up with was like man these cats are starting to move units here and they're doing it within like a certain range of like five to six hundred miles you know right and if right. they can sell these kind of units if we could put some money behind these cats nationwide look what could they do you know yeah. so oh man you know what uh you know what one of my thoughts is about
0: jive records man you know the age old um adage of Record company signing somebody just as a tax write, you know they want yeah. they'll put they'll put money behind they'll sign ten acts, put money behind two, and use the rest as a tax write off. Yeah, well, I think UGK was like Jive Records' worst nightmare because yeah. they probably okay we'll sign them and use them as a tax write off, but it was too fucking talented to do that because they can't, they they were too talented. and They brought a built-in audience, so you had to put money just for them to sell to their audience. Why not put the same? Energy and promoting, you know.
1: Yeah, but they, they had a
0: built built in audience, man, that appreciated and still ride with them t- uh, till today.
1: Yeah, as it states in this this ringer article, it stated that you know Pimp C talking about the job numbers in the '90s that you know that they, they never paid them any royalties in on right. their first few albums. The money right. that they made was made on them torn and them getting money from features. They right. gave them a big advance to work on Riding Dirty. They blew a majority of it going to New York and Mm -hmm. uh and and recording demos they brought it back and said that you know pimp c's mother who was their uh you know their their manager basically told them like you know she thought that when she listened to the demos she thought it was the worst shit she ever heard in her life you know (laughs) and so he was angry with jive because they he felt like they were being exploited they didn't have enough funding and at this point it was like he sort of got in the corner with joe and at some point he was like he wasn't gonna put the album out joe was like yo look pimp longer you sit here with this album you know, the longer you're going to be on the contract with these dudes. So let's go ahead and get it done, man. So they got it done. And with working with Joe and doing things like using a Hammond B3 organ, playing a lot of those drums that you hear in particular live on an MPC versus having a drum loop, you know? Another thing that just adds to the mythology of this album, bruh. So uh, just crazy talks, man. So we'll, we'll go actually, man, to your recollections of this time when this album came out give me a perspective of what the professor was doing when this album came out, when you heard it and then what you thought then, and then what you think now.
0: Well, man, I think that's a good question because what I can say, I can actually say like, you know, just like you, I got onto it late, but I can remember in 1996 where I was the first time I heard murder. Mm. And I didn't know about them coming out with a new album or nothing, or none of that. Um, it's just, I was, it was summer 96, man. I remember exactly where I was. I had an 84 cut list and I had the windows down, it was hot at night. And, and and you know how, you know how it is. And, and yeah. I remember Greg, Greg street was on the radio on the mix show. Okay. And he, he put on murder, man. And I knew, damn, when I heard it, I knew it was from the South and I knew where it was from. It was from the Gulf coast. Mm. You know, at, at that time you could probably tell where, where music was coming from. Uh, because of different the different sounds of the different regions of the South, and when I heard, mm. you know, the track, the drums, I was like, shit, this close to home. I knew exactly where it was from. Yeah. So that was murder. That was uh summer '96, man. And then it it just took off. Uh, took uh, became you know, UGK alumni. Yeah. They all got attached to it, and um, mm. you know, just took off from there.
1: Yeah, man. Goodness. '96. See, like uh, with me, I didn't actually even hear anything about UGK. Until I want to say maybe not even riding dirty, it had to be I want to say phew, sometime after that, probably listening to some screw tape that somebody had me listen to, like in the eleventh eleventh nah. grade or something, nah. man. And hearing them <laughs> for the first time, but the first yeah. time I was actually really like exposed to them was on really was Big Pimpin', uh, no lie. Okay, be- because okay. um, but hearing them on Big Pimpin' made me want to go and listen to them more. Then I got to right. college at Morgan State. And I'm running into guys from my area. And uh, I've told this to you before, man. The thing about the D.C. area, whether they live in the city or they out in the counties or places like that, a lot of people, their family come from the south, man. So a lot of cats in D.C. around that era, they were riding with a lot of south south music and a lot of music from the west coast you know they like dc dudes love scarface man they loved Mm. ghetto boys they loved Mm. no limit and p and and uh they loved cash money and then out west they loved bay area artists like e40 and (laughs) and and drew down and and loonies and spice one you know, yeah, yeah. and even the Southern California, that went more with what we were used to because we have a go-go background in this area. We love right. live music. So the mm. production you hear from those artists reminds a lot of us what we hear in go go music, especially coming up, whether it was Chuck Brown, a Backyard Band, a junkyard band, or Trouble Funk or yeah. or EU yeah. and Sugar Bear. That's mm. what reminded of us, that funk, that soul mm. when we heard in the West Coast and the Southern Artist productions. when i got into ugk and her riding dirty i was actually in college and incidentally enough it was when i was with the homies and we were we were blazing you know and i was just kind of like when i was like yo i'm feeling this shit why (laughs) the fuck haven't i heard this before but then i was like oh like so i was high let me not be high and listen to this shit sober so i listened to it sober and being involved with music having been an MC, and then also having produced what I was struck by was the fact that man, this man, these samples are cold. Mm. These organs in here are cold. Mm. These bass lines are cold. But mm. then beyond just the music, it right. was the shit you were hearing. The contrast right. between C and B like between those two bond and pimp c man just the contrast between the two of them like it was a perfect match a match made in heaven when i went through each one of these 13 tracks it was just like Mm -hmm. like almost like i felt like i was living in houston myself you know what I mean like just being able to hear about and just like first really getting that first image of you know candy painted slabs you know first hearing about the system subwoofers and stuff in the back like you know riding slow I mean like you know and then riding the stuff like screw tapes like that whole subculture that they helped to bring out of Houston that people sort of experienced a little bit with Scarface and Ghetto Boys but then when you got to like UGK that sort of like in like experience like that whole Houston subculture which people in D.C. took and grabbed and held on to, man. So... Mm -hmm. I was hooked on this. And then when I yeah. opened my mind, because I was mostly just an East Coast hip hop head, you know, the only South music I really listened to was OutKast and Goody Mob. You know, okay. I didn't really listen to anybody else. I did I didn't really like No Limit. I didn't like cash money. Other mm-hmm. than Scarface, I mean, yeah, I wasn't really messing with nobody with Texas from Texas like that. But right, after right. this though, it opened my mind to a whole lot of different other things. Though this opened my mind to screw, um, opened my eyes up to Swisher House, the Suave House, there's so mm-hmm. many different other great mm-hmm. rap rap groups and outfits of the south man so um now listening to it i tell people i've talked to you about my foundational southern rap albums so when i tell people if you have like something that's going to lay the foundation of what a culture is and even the subcultures that we have in hip-hop this is to me a foundational southern rap album you know right there's a debate whether or not people will say this is their best album or not because i've heard other people Mm -hmm. say other things i've heard folks say super tight you know a couple of the other you know um I've heard folks, you know, say you put their, put their money behind the more, the more recent project they put in, which, mm-hmm. you know, everything's dope. But to me, when you talk about those foundational Southern rap albums, and you yes, talk sir. about P, Ice Cream Man, Southern Playalistic. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you talking about I mean, you could run them down a lot better than I can. But mm-hmm. this is the things when I talk about the things that got me into the Southern rap. This is yeah. one of them. This is absolutely yeah, and- one of them.
0: And you have to take into account when you're coming up with those thoughts of what, what could be the best. You have to take into account the time that it was, yeah. you know, uh, the current time it was recorded in, Ooh, Shit, what, what, whether they were starving or not at the time. And you can feel it starving. I mean, yes. whether it be for money or just for dope or music or something, you can feel it. And like you said, foundational albums, this is definitely one of them. Yeah. And the combination of the music. But and first of all, um, I, I just have to say that, you know, coming up, coming up on the third coast, man, you know, as a down south b-boy. That's what I appreciate about UGK. They have such a love for hip hop. Yeah. First and foremost, because we all we had was East Coast. We had New York coming up in the 80s. That's why uh, Pimp always say, Pimp and Bun like DMC and DJ Run. Yeah. You know, you know they have a love for that, but it it, had, it branched off, I think, because the our culture... The music that we were influenced by you know, like the gospel tinge organs as you said mm-hmm. and, and things of that nature it had to it had to like and then it also branched off with the subculture with screwing them you know other mu- music's being created but it's all under hip hop man which is yeah. which is dope which, which
1: is dope man and that was the great thing about hip hop back then in uh-huh. that day is that every subculture had their thing but everybody sort of stuck to the tenets of what hip hop was at it's base, but everybody yeah. had their own twist to it you know right. that's really what made everything unique because everybody wasn't the same man right, you, every, right. like you said you could tell coming from the third coast listening to them where they was from what part of the south they was from what part of the third coast they was from and it's like yeah. okay they see that's when people used to stand out and i miss a lot of that now because yeah. nowadays you be listen to dudes you don't know where the hell they come from you know and i miss <laughs> yeah. a little bit about that man because i think that was the unique thing about hip-hop is that you could right. kind of like you had that uniqueness about you your area your region had mm-hmm. a seal a stamp of approval you know you had a signature is what it was right a signature right so yeah. and, and, and another thing about this album reading about it um those these intros and these skits that you hear are things obviously by uh by smoke d smoke d you yeah. know and smoke d actually recorded these while he was in the penitentiary in mississippi yeah yeah <laughs> now the story yeah. now the story is in ugk is that he smuggled it into jail he told that to julie bever um to julie beverly when he was talking mm-hmm. to her about that during the um, with the interview, uh, that, with, yeah, with the interview yeah. that they did they did um, not too long ago and he said basically you know hey he took that in and while he was sitting there talking to it the guards probably thought he was singing along to a tape or something he was just literally in there recording like a, <laughs> like an audio documentary you know what yeah, I mean so yeah, yeah. and that's just ridiculous man because it's just like I'd always wondered where those recordings had come from and yeah, I was just right. like because <laughs> <laughs> it's just wild it was just like for the longest while I never really knew and then when you find out the dude was in gym, was in, in prison and it's like i right, uh-huh. this shit yeah. makes a lot more sense now because i'm just wondering who is he talking about who's kissing like who does he in, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: free world steak and shrimp <laughs> right
0: yeah yeah and then, you know, the thing about it though man the thing i can say about this album, man it flows so well those interludes yeah with smoke d The shit just flows well man all into just a great body of work
1: oh yeah definitely so, man, now we're going to get the highlights, man. So break down your highlights, any low lights if you have them, man, and uh, just go, go ahead and give them to us.
0: All right. Uh, first of all, man, I was going to say, because you mentioned earlier, the great contrast in styles between pimp and bun. And I'm just going to start off with, with one of mine that I just recently noticed while listening maybe a couple of weeks ago. I started off my day. I was listening to Illmatic, you know, earlier in the day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the song uh, Life's a Bitch and how how dope, you have the narrative being told of Nas and AZ the narrative being told is like two sides of the same consciousness one yeah. guy talks hope one guy is hopeless so and, and it, get, it got me to thinking man I was listening to High Life
1: mm, yeah
0: and I listened to that shit and it just put it put me in a place where I could say man damn it's it's riding dirty Our Illmatic
1: mmm Wow, because
0: you know the way Nas told told his story, his tales and his shit, and put it in the way the city embraced it, man. It's like, yeah, this high life, man. It just puts you in that place because it reminds me of stories my own family. You know, when Pimp is telling the story of Dee, Dee getting married and Edgar on the boat. Yeah, that sounds like shit. You know, that shit my family say down. You know, down right, back Right, You know, it's shit like that. But yeah, high life would be one of my highlights on this album, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told you about murder already. Uh, Diamonds. Diamonds and Wood, you know. Mm. I think Woo. I think that's the first I think that's the first time DJ Screw, a hook, um uh, by DJ Screw was sampled for, you know, put out on mainstream mm-hmm. release.
1: Yeah.
0: Um the shit the shit is fire, the diamonds in wood. Um yeah. I think my favorite song on the album is an NO Joe produced one, and it's uh That's Why I Carry.
1: Mm. <laughs>
0: Goodness.
1: And, some
0: heat. That's some heat, and that's one, if you if you sit down and listen closely, man, Bun's verse, the way he ended the song, I think it's one of the most pivotal verses in uh, hip-hop history, especially mm. in the South. Yeah. The way he, uh, Bun and C, you it your world up explosively, mm. you know?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That verse, another one for me, man, is I think probably the first time in history I could probably say that an interlude is probably my favorite song on the album. It's uh, the outro to oh, the okay. album. Woo,
1: yeah, okay, you know? yeah. Yeah, my goodness, yeah. That, yeah. oh, yeah. That, it's a nine and a half minute long outro, mm-hmm. you know? And yep. you really don't notice, to tell you the truth, man, because- You don't notice it. You don't. Wow.
0: And It's nine and a half minutes, man, and I got to sit there. Once I started to take notice of it, I had to buy the album on vinyl just to listen to that mm. through, my, through, the, through the monitors, man. But mm. once, and that's probably a song, even though it's nine and a half minutes, I listen to it, I never cut it off early. If I have something to do, I listen to that whole- That whole joint, man. Where you can close, (laughs) you can close your eyes, man, and visualize the like pimps telling the whole southern hip hop history through one song. Just sending shouts out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and and he's naming the cities, the people. You know, Lafayette. I used to live in Lafayette. You know, he's naming the people and Mm. and Shaquille O'Neal kept it real with me. You know, yeah, the, the shit is fire, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, man it's something when listening to this album that you get the picture of this sort of like the life that they were living. But then you mm-hmm. also sort of get in a picture of what people around them are sort of going through too. You know, it's something that really was for those of us who weren't familiar with that area of the country, really an introduction to tell you like, look, folks going down here, going through the same type of stuff you're dealing with. Now the words are different, how they say it might be mm-hmm. different. The accent's mm-hmm. different. But it's the same right. thing, man. You could literally take those stories and and transport that to Southeast DC, or yeah. to somewhere in Newport News, or to <laughs> somewhere in Atlanta, or somewhere yeah. in Columbia, South Carolina. I mean, so it's um it's a translatable concept. The delivery, I think, is what brought everybody in. You know, yeah. the delivery yeah. is what I think is what captured you, right? From my and, high, and, yeah, and go ahead. to
0: add to add to that note about delivery, man, I think what I think they're appreciated for, and not just UGK, but a lot of groups in the third coast, because I think when I was on your show last time, when they all started out on the independent level, you don't have ANRs overlooking what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So you're free, you're free to say what you want. And I think, you know, they didn't waste time with a lot of uh, metaphors and everything. What they spoke was uh, shit they were going through. Exactly. Like I, I heard everything, every song Pimp ever did was something he was thinking at the moment, or situation he was going through. So it was never about, Battle rhymes are trying to impress people with with metaphors and th- things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I oh, think yeah. people appreciate the realness the, and and you know the truth and the, and the realness in that.
1: Yeah, yeah the realness the the realness of what you get from pimp c and bum b or what i think attracts most of us to them because yeah. you don't ever got to worry about what they thinking they're gonna let you know exactly what it is that they're thinking <laughs> yeah.
0: you know what i mean yeah. especially
1: pimp like he was one of the realest dudes out there when i talk about some on some real talk like uh he gonna yeah. let you know like oh uh, yeah that that's yeah. him right there man <laughs> yeah yeah
0: Oh, I was going to say, and for people who think, you know, the as far as the um the explicitness of Pimp C and, and, and the crassness, I think if you pay too much attention to that, you, you're missing something that he did with the music underneath, huh. you know. Yeah. Pay attention pay attention to what he's doing with the harps on Like That remakes, you know, or, oh, man. or pay yeah. attention to, you know what I'm saying? It's a little shit like that, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. I'm, oh, goodness. It's... Look, look man It's <laughs> There's a lot on this album Just to be able yeah. to unpack In regards to what they did Production wise And mm-hmm. um and how innovative it was at that particular time, because it was a lot of the things they did were a little unorthodox, but knowing that they had so much of a limited production budget n o Joe mm-hmm. pretty much did this at you know uh, about a portion of what his going rate was, but he did it because he said he believed in the project, you know, right, and um right, right. he submitted himself as a result of of this i mean he was already an established producer, but I think this helped to. You know, producers mostly are linked mm-hmm. to classic track, classic albums that helped to cement their legacy. And this is just another one. It's probably the second in about two or three years that he had had, you know, yeah. that he was linked to, man. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, my highlights. So, I mean, to me, I love everything on this album. I mean, I I, I love Murder. Like, I agree with you there when you listen to that and it kind of hits you right in the chest. Um, yeah. <laughs> I actually, when, when it comes to Diamonds and Wood, I mean, this is, like, one of those songs where it's just, like, how can I cannot explain it? It's like riding on a bed of clouds in a 64 Cutlass Supreme with the windows yeah. down with the fattest blunt of some sticky icky <laughs> cruising at, like, 35 miles an hour.
0: Yeah, bro. That's what yeah. it feels
1: like to me. It's smooth. And then not just mm. that the song is so smooth but then the shit that you hearing from Pimpin' Bun of the song ain't really smooth yeah. you know yeah, they right. talking about <laughs> right. some hard shit the shit that's going on in the song man but the yeah. song gives you that feeling it's like yo I always tell people man if I ever had a major entrance to be able to come into something this is like on a short list of songs that I want them to play as I'm walking out you know what I'm saying uh, diamonds and wood
0: <laughs> I mean yeah, it's man. it's
1: um wow man uh, Three in the Morning, obviously, is another mm. classic UGK song. Um, that, well, what? That... that's one of the best hooks. That's one of the best hooks yes. ever. absolutely. Yeah. Ab- <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah. When you said that's when I that's why I carry, I was sitting here and I was nodding my head. And I was like, that beat. I mean, mm-hmm. that beat and the way that it was put together and the way that it hits you when it hits on yeah. this track. Yeah. And I was just like, whoo, my goodness!" I know Joe put his foot in this beat. He put it right, <laughs> He ran. put Come his on, man. foot in <laughs> this beat. Yeah. And those verses on there, especially yeah. with me, Buns verses on there. Me pimp, yeah. But Buns verses on there, man. Oh.
0: Bun said, "When we got the red drink, purple drink, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Now you can hear the bells in the background. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: <Yes>. man. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Laugh and
0: say they never heard it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the high life." Um, that's mm-hmm. in the cadender from my favorite song on the album. Like you said, man, listening to it. And then like the 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 hook on this one is another one of those hooks on here. It's just like, yeah. yo, they did this themselves. Like they actually yeah. did this hook. Like, yeah. And then the the just the stuff that you hear, of course, in the song as well. This is a, a great Pimp C and NO Joe co production. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, um really works well. Um, the track riding dirty is to me something that I even when mm. I think about this album, I even forget, forgot about it, but mm. it's to me is a very slept on track when it comes to this album, but, um, I, I liked it and I was just like, you know, yeah. I forget about this joint, man. And yeah, you can forget about it, but yeah. yeah, the outro, as you stated, man, with Smoke D taking us out one last time and then Pimp C pretty much going through Shouting out all his homies. I mean, I you know, mm-hmm. you know, gotta, gotta gotta hit my man up, Master P, you know, yeah, uh yeah. all them out in New Baby, Orleans, yeah. everybody <laughs> out in Tennessee, Nashville, Memphis, you know, Ducksville, yeah. and you know, talking about he gotta go over to Atlanta, hit up my boys, organize noise. Mm-hmm. What's up, what's up, Rico? You know, yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, I mean sh- shouting out everybody, shouting out they boy be legit, you know, from yeah, the Bay Area. Yeah. It, which in this ringer album, he pretty much supplied a good amount of that West Coast chronic <laughs> that they needed. Like like right. Pepsi said, that good fluffy yeah. weed, you know, <laughs> fluffy yeah, green. Mean. You know what <laughs> I
0: mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm smoking, baby. We always smoke.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I man, it just and then backed up on that instrumental with diamonds and wood, man. It's just mm. like
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like it, just it don't it don't get smile. no better as
0: far as closing out an album and. Man, and, and you know you mentioned, uh, I think one of my favorite one of my favorite lines on the whole album when you mentioned the song "Riding Dirty" is when Pimp said, "Police, they want to run in. Talking on cell phones got a lot of kings done in. Yeah. I want to live like Arnold Willis and Mister Drummond." Yeah, man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> man, yeah. My, that's one of my, one of my favorites, man. um, I forgot to mention in the beginning, man, that um, actually one of the people that you mentioned has has his footprint all over this album is Mister Three Two. That yeah. I, just, I just found out like three years Four years ago I went to a fan of a union That he was a relation to mine man Oh man was, okay Yeah yeah. they had a memorial oh, That was the year that he passed And they had a memorial up in the building mm. Of all the people in the family that passed that year And they had his picture and everything I was like wait wait a minute Yeah. So I had a, started to ask my people in Texas And they was like yeah we, you know we, we, we kin to him
1: yeah. yeah wow Man that's, that's um, crazy That's yeah, crazy man uh, yeah. yeah no he definitely has his fingerprints on this On one day on um, Touched, yeah. you know, um, worked as a producer on this as well, helped to co-produce One yeah. Day, One Day also featuring Ronnie Spencer, who, as they yeah. mentioned in the article in The Ringer, and as I mentioned with my, as I heard with my ears, sounded a hell of a lot like Ronnie Isley, you know? Sure did, <laughs> you yeah. <know>? And I... <laughs> the, the vocal arrangement, man, the
0: vocal, and you can look at, like, at the time, like, Pimp and Bump, we were all the same age, so at the time, we were 21, 22, and they was recording this, and you gotta look, not only beats and rhymes, with man, but vocal arrangement. Yeah. And on this album, especially on One Day and um and Highlight, the vocal arrangement on the hook. Yeah. Man, it's it's ridiculous. Ain't it's it? ridiculous, man. Yeah,
1: it, <laughs> yeah. It it is because when you think about man, the like from a hip hop background, but also also coming up and listening to music. To be able to do vocal arrangements mm-hmm. like that, like those are right. like vocal arrangements you only get from like R and B folks, man, folks who right. are singers, man. But right. but like right. they said in the in the article, and know Joe himself had spent time and had done some singing, and yeah. so it Pimp, so it was like you know yeah. it was easy for them to be able to do this, man. It was right. amazing, amazing vocal arrangements.
0: Yeah, and you took it the de- the love and dedication. I like, you know Pimp, like I said, he was a down south B boy. The love and dedication he had to his craft. Mm-hmm. What be- between the first album and super tight you know he he made a a, a voyage of mecca over to new orleans and learned from leo nocetelli from the funky meters mm. that's where the organ came from so mm, yep. to get away from the samples and everything from the first album he wanted to bring in the new sound and that's he went and studied went to new orleans and, le- and learned and studied and that's when he came back and was able to bring the organs and then and everything like that and the musicality into it
1: yeah oh man <laughs> I mean it's yeah. just um it's it's something that you know listening to an album especially you know of for that particular time to be able to hear musically like the things that they were able to accomplish, like I said, and again, with not a whole lot of, not a, not a big budget, not a big machine behind mm. it, no marketing, mm. no nothing. They literally came out. It was almost like reading this this article, they almost made this album strictly for the love. I mean, they made it because they yeah. were contractually, you know, obligated to make yeah. it, but it really, you could hear in this album that they were making this man, all driven, like you said, for the love man of the culture. Yeah. You know, yeah. For the culture. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, and, and another one of my songs
0: on here, man, is that you could you, I forget about sometimes, but uh, good stuff.
1: Mm, okay, and that yeah.
0: That one, that one, that one had to grow on me. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
0: but you know, I think one thing that Pimp is the master of is entering of entering a verse and exiting a song. And yeah, you know, I'm yeah. coming down, Candy, putting in my work. Yeah, got a <laughs> hanging on a ten thousand dollars shirt. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. that. That's also one of my um one of my highlights on this album, man. It's funky as hell too.
1: Yeah. Pimp definitely going to give you something in them first four bars and them last two bars. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 He going to yeah. give you something to remember. He going to give you something. Yes, He going to give you something to remember, man. Awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. So now we're going to get into notable quotables, man. You've named a few of them, but you no, know, is there something in particular that you wanted to mention is for our notable quotables?
0: Oh man. I gave up a lot already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, let me, let me hear yours first and let me see if I could. uh, so, come up with something. so
1: this isn't the best verse on the album But this is the one that sticks with me the most And this is Bun Bun's verse during Diamonds and Wood You know and he comes up you know I looked up today and didn't fall prey in that pistol play but who's Mm. gonna say tomorrow the day don't be blasting this away I'm puffing splits of hay still upset about this drama here at this time of year I'm wiping away my homie's mama's tears Tears. but naturally them fucking laws is always after me so I have to be in that manner on that 503 I'm living dastardly must be all about survival G these niggas passing me streets just keep on getting live with me they said there has to be another way but I ain't feeling that they tried to steal a lack in my wig they wanna. Pillar fact But still the fact Remains It's all about The cane Swing and bang Peace to E and G And all the victims Of the gang Man yeah, come on. <laughs> man. Yeah, I mean. Comes up against him. Yes, you? exactly. And yeah, then it's just yeah. like that hook comes in. And this is kind of goes back to what Pimp used to say about Bun. He was like, look, man, he said in an interview that he put Bun up against any other one of these MC niggas. He's like, yo, I put Bun, this nigga up against anybody. Any yeah. one of y'all MC niggas out here, yeah. I put my nigga up against anybody, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. what I always kind of respected about man, him, man, is his pen was just as good as any one of his contemporaries whether you're talking about from the west coast or a little bit further down south to even up north man you know yeah. his pan was very very underrated for quite a long time
0: yeah yeah and i think people finally start to come around and and give him get a man his props too. yes
1: absolutely yeah. well deserved yeah. well deserved
0: yeah. well I, I look at uh as a quotable man uh uh the way pimp opened the song i'm tired of living fucked up i'm tired of living bad mm. On high life, man. Yeah, I'm. T- I'm tired of hearing grandmama say, "When you gonna go to church, Chad?"
1: Yeah, uh huh. You know, yeah. That's
0: just. It sounds some real life.
1: Some real life shit. Yeah. Some
0: real life shit. You know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and then you know, and he tried to look up to the image that she would want me to be, but I got one foot in the street, and every street. week to flip a, key. flip a key, yeah, flip a key. I mean, it's it's man. like, yeah, it's it's um it's uh, something that like i said man that relatability it's a lot of people how many people grew up man and grandmama telling them they got to go to church they need to get yeah. their life together you need to live right and so many yeah. of them mess around and it will have a have a foot in the street have a foot in the house and mm-hmm. trying to do right but the money of the street good but the street ain't no good for them i mean it's it's something that yeah. a lot of people can relate to man you know, yeah, <laughs> it's something yeah. a lot of us can relate to with people that we know that are like Exactly. That, you know? Exactly. Yeah, man. man. Um that that is like I said the quality about UGK that gets so many of us hooked into them because mm-hmm. because of that, man. So, oh right. man. Now, to talk a little bit about we talk about the um, you know, everyone's talked about, you know, UGK and their legacy and what they mean not just to to the third coast, but then what they mean to the south overall. In your perspective, Now, like we said No music videos, no singles Um, This was not on the radio So far, what they've had They've had, as it says, officially now Up to 850,000 copies sold To date, Uh. you know and now this is off of no promotion this is off of no (laughs) singles nobody's going to the box or rap city to see any of these videos you know from back in the day you're not seeing these on any one of the even on bet jams you know Uh bet soul you're not seeing any of that you know you're not even necessarily hearing so much so much of this stuff in ugk at parties you know but this is how well it's done in your perspective man how impressive is that that They've they were able to do this. They've done this well, with none mm-hmm. of that. You know, there are people that have right. put out all of those. All three have had radio play, videos, and singles, and mm-hmm. haven't even sold that much. <laughs> right. How impressive is that Dang, to you, man?
0: That's that's v- very impressive for them to be able to have a catalog to display, and you can hear the growth in each album yes. as men and as musicians, and and you know. Man, as, as husbands, as fathers, or what, or whatever, man, you could just hear the progression. And one thing I can give them credit for is because of the subject matter, is is real, and they've gotten appreciation. People have appreciation for their realness. I think it's made their music timeless. It can't be put into a box to say this is outdated.
1: Mm-mm. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. you know what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And and as I said earlier, I wish Jive Records would have known what they had. Yeah. Uh, for these for these guys to be able to go and do what they did pretty much off of bad contracts with their first label and get the the, the business with the IRS. And, the, you know, yeah. they put out a lifetime of music, man, and, and the shit is still banging to this day. Yeah. So to answer your question, it's very impressive that they were able, able to build that legacy based on music first and the bullshit second because they never got wrapped up in the... Yeah. Image, you know, look how look how long they had to wait. Like Pimp had to wait until they did uh, the video for um, Big Pimpin' yeah. for people to, for people to actually see an image of what Pimp C is. Yeah, you know, they had to wait that long, and to think of how their label wasn't behind them because they didn't agree to do uh, Big Pimpin' too.
1: Yeah. Huh.
0: So that's man. why they sh they shelved the next album, Dirty Money, until it like Bun said, until the album got cold because they didn't want to do another song with Jay. They didn't want to get a Timberland. They didn't want to do a big pimping 2 mm-hmm. And why? He, and why he said because our fans will think we flop. Now mm-hmm. that shit is not hip hop. Then what is?
1: Yeah, there you go. There you go, you man. Know? And that's just keeping it real with people, man. You know, that's just keeping it real with people. The one thing that I have to give credit to Pimp and Bun. And the thing that I even said, even about the locks and this whole thing that came out with this verses between them and Dipset this past week, is that you never saw any b- bullshit between the two of them, man. Like you even right. see in these interviews, different interviews between the two of them, man. They always kept it hundred with each other. They were always together. You never really saw any type of shit happen. When even when when uh, when Pimp got locked up and you know yeah. he went away for a little bit, you know Bum was always riding with him. When he came out, it mm-hmm. was like bam, we picking right back up where we left off, Playboy. Yeah, and we gonna yeah. make these things. And then they came out with they that last studio album and still fuck the game up you know <laughs> yeah. from many different uh, from many different perspectives with so many different yeah. guests, guest spots on there so yeah. the one thing I can respect about them is they always roll for each other man and it's hard because in hip hop you have a lot of groups where you know niggas break up and yeah. stuff happens people get jealous of each other somebody wants to go solo the record label right. drop y'all people start blaming each other you yeah. ain't getting none of that shit with these dudes man and right. that's what, to me is the hallmark of a true friendship of a brotherhood and there's just two real like real g's just really sitting there with each other and being like all right man i got you bro everything good yeah you know
0: and whatever they had happen between them is just like you said just like brothers so um it didn't spill out onto the music they kept it 100 with each other kept exactly. it professional and and did what they had to do with the music
1: exactly there you go there you go man yeah so we get sure. to the point man where we're at man the final verdict the test to see if it stands the test of time whether we think it's a certified classic borderline classic classic just in its time or not a classic at all and then we rate it from seven to ten. Seven that we don't feel as strongly about it and ten that we feel very strongly about it i think i already know what you're gonna say bro but what say you <laughs> uh nathan about the riding dirty
0: certified classic bro and i give it a ten i give it to the maximum certified classic
1: yeah Same here, Certified Classic, uh, 10 out of 10. It's, like I said, a foundational Southern rap album. It's a foundational hip-hop album, really, if you think about it, man. All the aspects of hip-hop taken into place. This is something, when you talk about H-Town, Port Arthur, Houston, Mm -hmm. Texas hip-hop, you can't have that conversation without talking about this album. You can't. It's right up there with... Mrs. Scarface is back in the diary. It's right up there mm-hmm. with Ghetto Boys, uh, Grip It mm-hmm. on that other level. And also, We Can't Be Stopped. Can't be stopped. You know, it's right up there even if you want to put it on that. Since he from Texas, D.O.C., no one could do it better. D- yeah. You know, I mean, Big so. Mike, something serious. Yes, Big Mike, Big Mike, Mike you know. something serious. Come on, man. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you right. having that conversation about these same joints. You talking about hip-hop in the state of Texas, man. It starts right here with them. These are the albums that you have to listen to. So, Riding Dirty, Certified Classic, 10 out of 10 without a shadow over doubt, man, so... Mm-hmm. You know, there we have it, bro. Um, so before we actually get we, we get out of here, and of course, I always thank you for stopping by, man. And things are yeah. going good with Food Dope. It's a dope uh, podcast. Everybody who isn't listening to it, make sure you're listening and subscribe to it. And also make sure you all subscribe to Players in the South and checking out what's coming on with that, man. But I wanted to ask you, you just uh, shared something with me about a project you got coming on. Of course, ironically enough, related to the group that we just covered, UGK. But you got a project coming up about something going on with them man the story that's being told man so let the folks know what's going on with that
0: yeah yeah thank you bro um what i got is you know i like to try to stay cutting edge with what i'm doing and i'm i'm, I'm working on an audio documentary it's called boys to kings a ugk story and it's actually the story of big mitch uh, mitchell queen mm. and you could you, you probably know been a lot of songs with pimp name uh big mitch uh, yeah. mitch, uh and the queen family and a lot of their songs uh, me and Big Mitch we've been cool for quite a few years and I always wanted to do he got so many stories and I just wanted to never had the right arena with him being in Texas and me being in Atlanta you know to, to be able to sit down and curate these stories and everything I figured we'll go ahead I was like man let's let's do a documentary I'll produce it whatever um, and it, I'll let you sit down you tell your story a uh, uh, UGK because Mitch is the one it's the founding father of UGK he came mm. up with the name the name UGK Yeah, we got unreleased music Original music from the original UGK, which is Mitch and Pimp, from mm. nineteen eighty nine and ninety, bro. They got wow. an album. They, they got an album they did. We're gonna have in this documentary. Oh boy. Um. Yeah. Yeah. And and the way the story is, uh, uh, Mitch had to bow out because UGK was a big collective at first, under, underground kings, and Mitch had a got a football scholarship out of high school, so he went away to college, mm-hmm. and that's how uh, Pimp and Bun ended up being the last two members that That's who Big Mitch is, and I want to send a shout out to Big Mitch right now. Shout out to the DMV, the DC area, and everybody um, mm-hmm. down with the Southern movement and everything, like you said, man. And yeah, but Boys to Kings, a UGK story. It'll be out next year, and it's going to be an audio documentary, man. And I can't wait to do it and, you know, get some more stories out there.
1: Awesome, man. Boys to King, a UGK story, a story by Mitchell Queen, an audio documentary by the professor himself, Nathan Rideau. Bro, I'm looking yeah. forward to this. This unreleased music that you're telling me has definitely piqued my interest because the one <laughs> thing that I always like, I like to hear tidbits that I haven't heard before. I talked to you right, before we right. came on that I did the uh, the interview with uh, the Breaking Adams podcast. They did the Brooklyn's Finest: to Making a Reasonable Doubt, man. They spoke to a lot mm-hmm. of people about the making of that album. You know, Ski, Clark Kent, yeah. Pain in the yeah. Ass, uh, Maria Green from Mad Wednesdays. A lot of people in the industry, like engineers and also people who were like journalists and it was a great documentary. There were a lot of tidbits and songs in there that I hadn't heard before. So this oh. definitely has my interest peaked. And I can't wait okay. to hear to see what the dopeness that y'all come up with this documentary, bro. I'm definitely going to be looking forward to it. Appreciate that, homie. Yo, man, as always, Nate, man, before you go, throw your handles out there, social media pages. Let the people know where they can find you and your work, man, and how they can connect with you.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, You can find me on IG at TheProfessor73, that's at TheProfessor, the number 73, Um, and also at Food Dope Podcast, that's Food Dope Podcast, Um, and also go ahead and listen to Players from the South, that's Players from the Sea, Uh, check any of your uh, podcast platforms, and what that is is the first hip-hop audio drama scripted by me. We go into the history of the South, the Gulf Coast, the Third Coast. We throw a little bit of story of gentrification in there to mix it in with what's going on with today. Go ahead and check it out, listen, subscribe, or whatever. And you can hit me up on uh, by email at fooddopepodcast at gmail.com. That's fooddopepodcast at gmail. Listen to Food Dope also. Got some dope chefs, and we talk hip-hop. We we, we mix culinary arts and hip-hop, and we draw parallels between the two disciplines.
1: Yeah man, I have to listen listen to food dope on a full stomach, bruh because after I listened, sometimes a couple of times I messed around listening on an empty stomach, and I was like, damn, I'm hungry. What the hell they was talking about yeah. sound good as hell, man? Let me go yeah, yeah. let me go see if I can get me something to eat. So <laughs> I suggest if y'all are doing that, y'all trying to watch your weight, you might want to listen to Food Dope on a, on a full Food stomach. Dope. Yeah, but definitely yeah. make sure y'all check it out, man. D- good, it's good stuff. And Nathan always puts out dope content, man. So the Professor Nathan Rideau, thank you again for joining us once again here on the Vault Classic Music Reviews. We going to holler at you on the flip side, bro. Thank you, bro. I'll be talking to you soon. And a big shout out once again to Nathan Rideau, the professor on The Vault here, Breaking Down Riding Dirty by UGK. Big shout out to Nathan, always coming through and showing love to the show. Of course, always breaking down those Southern classics for us. Make sure y'all checking out Food Dope Podcast and as well, showing love to players from the South. Two, two great shows of content you got right there. And of course, make sure to look out for that UGK audio doc when it comes out especially because what Nathan said he gave coming and I can't wait to hear what they have in store for us with that project. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of the vault. Please make sure you check us out on our host on red circle. You can also download stream and subscribe to the vault classic music reviews on any one of our streaming sources. If you go to the link in any one of our social media pages in the bio, you will find our link tree there. You'll find all of our social media pages and also all of our streaming sources. Again, You can get to the Vault Classic Music Reviews on Instagram on at Podcast on Twitter at Vault Classic, and on Facebook and YouTube by searching the Vault Classic Music Reviews Podcast. Like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out everything that we have going on, including our last bonus episode with the Breaking Adams Podcast. Great, great talk there. And make sure you're following us on all those platforms. We love to hear and interact with you all on social media. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because you were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into the vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at
0: IV Creative, and Instagram at I-V-E-C-R-E-8.